You know, it's funny because, you know, people do say, we don't need artists, but then you look around and what would we have without artists? You know, even the houses that we live in, the human capacity to create is what keeps us alive. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aranis, and today's episode is the first part of a two-part conversation with the amazing Danny Kidwell. Danny Kidwell is a fine artist and illustrator from the United States who has a multifaceted portfolio that explores a variety of subjects. Creating both personal and commercial work, Danny's art focuses on reimagining references from pop culture. So I'm going to start where I start with everybody, is um, just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Uh, well, uh, my name is Danny Kidwell. Uh, I was born and raised in South Florida. And uh, I became an artist because I was born with a congenital heart disease. And I could not do uh, physical activity at the time. Because, you know, I was torn stem to stern and they were like, no, no, he shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> so uh, I was only left with the one thing that I was kind of comfortable with, and that was coloring. So, you know, I would color in coloring books. And then uh, one day I discovered Walt Disney and his movies. And uh Bambi was the first movie that really made me think, oh, I wonder how they they make these. Like, And then it turns out some a whole team of people made them and those people were called artists and animators. And so that's when I really started to do a deep dive into animation at like, like five years old, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and the rest just kind of went with it. Um, I was really into animation as a kid and uh, I was constantly doing drawings. Um, I actually didn't do my my first painting until I was at least 14. I always had trouble with painting and you know, as a kid I was like really impatient, but I was always doing like pencil drawings and whatnot. And then I did my first, first portrait because I was in high school. That was of Johnny Depp. It was uh, Jack Sparrow, and a couple of people kind of pointed me in the right direction. They're like, "Hey, you're pretty, you're pretty good at this," you know. So that's eventually where it led to. So that's really, really cool because it's kind of interesting how a lot of artists start from early childhood. It's kind of yeah. almost ingrained in you from early on, and I, I kind of always wonder, you know, if people, if you didn't have that kind of reinforcement from people saying, you know, this is pretty good. Um, maybe you wouldn't have pursued the career you, you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I kind of had no other choice. It was either that or just play with my toys and watch Star Wars all day, which is what I also did. But, you know, I, I kind of, it's something that I rather enjoyed and I found comfort in it. And, um, you know, I think I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I hear a lot of stories too about the artists not having the full support that they need growing up. And uh, and I, I think that's really what happens with a lot of people is, you know, they get into like creative things and they just, uh, 
you know, they don't have that encouragement. And, you know, somebody tells a kindergarten, kindergartner, don't quit your day job. They don't even have a day job to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they, they get discouraged and then they say, well, maybe this isn't for me. And then they become like businessmen or whatever. But there's also, you know, people later on in like, like lawyers that have this like burning desire to like be creative and they realize after time that uh you know somebody else was controlling their life path uh, and they finally made the decision to chase art and they're pretty good at so i i I really think that uh everyone has a creative uh output it's just a matter of who encouraged it and how how you felt about it when you when you were younger see that's actually very interesting because i guess one thing that we kind of think about is like you have to kind of be a great artist when you're younger you know we kind of don't really think about like oh actually that's absolutely perfectly fine to to you know come to art later in life you know there's no absolutely nothing wrong with that i feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to kind of know what they want to do with their life what's of you know at an early age when realistically you have your whole life ahead of you to discover that like just because you're doing something now doesn't mean in 10 years time you're going to be doing the same thing you know i think that's you raise a good point because oh. actually now you said that a lot of artists I speak to and I, and I know have actually started later on in life and their work is incredible. And it's their life experiences that make up their work. I mean, yeah, it's, again, it's very, um, you know, I, I've, I've also talked to a couple of, uh, uh, I actually remember in high school, there was one guy who, uh, he was a security guard and he said, he said, you know, when I was your age, I was drawing a lot too, but I just go. And, uh, you know, being creative is part of being human. You don't necessarily have to be good at it. And I think being good or bad is just a perception of things. And it's what you choose to do with it is the direction that will lead you. That's very true. And I guess there's a question slightly wrong, but I'll ask you now. Is like, why is art important? Well... Um, <laughs> art's important because, you know, I have this, I have this, I don't want to say a theory, but that's basically, what it is. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of artists are into, um, holidays and, you know, Halloween and Christmas and all those things, a break from the norm. And I think that's why art is important is because not only are we taking a break from the norm, we're viewing something from someone else's perspective. Like when I'm doing figure drawings, you know, I often get, you know, the, I've never seen myself this way before. You know, it's, it offers a perspective to something that maybe someone hasn't thought to look at yet. Yeah, that's cool. It's because, you know, I think as somebody who's creative, you know why you create, but I think expressing that can sometimes be quite hard because it's just like, if you could explain yourself in words, you wouldn't need to create images, you yeah, know? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think so a question like that is like asking people why what they do is important. I don't know, it's always interesting because it's nice to be kind of challenged and think about actually why is what you're doing important? And then is it important? And then, you know, the whole rabbit hole of what am I doing? Is my life worthwhile? That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it's always interesting. Um, but getting back into the kind of order. So I want to ask about art education because you have a bachelor's of science degree in illustration. 
Yes, that is correct. And um, I kind of want to ask you, like, how was your experience um, having a degree, kind of experiencing the art formal education? And also, do you think it's important for artists to have an education, like a, a degree of some sort? Well, my experience was, you know, um, I didn't actually go to school for illustration, like, up front. Um, I knew what school I wanted to go to. Yeah, it was almost like it was destined for me. Like everybody pushed me towards there. And uh, I ended up meeting a lot of really good friends there. But um, I started out in animation. And, uh, you know, in animation, there was always the, the cliche of, um, oh, you're going to be an illustrator because you draw good. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then, I'm really into 2D animation, right? And the school I went to, uh, really push the um, the concept of animation, but then when I got into the classes, uh, there was like one traditional to the animation class. I think there might have been another one that uh, uh, was like the more advanced uh, class, and I was like. Uh, and then uh, my life drawing professor was really pushing me. He says, you're good, you're good, you know. And so uh, eventually I kind of just moved over into illustration because that's where it felt like it was heading. And that's where I landed. I think education is important, but not necessary. Um, you know, you can go to a, a college and be taught by other people, learn other people's perspectives. But as far as academic, you know, you can just as easily go to a library or even YouTube nowadays and, and learn all that stuff. So it's really what you're trying to do with it. Um, I, in school, I, you know, school is important, especially if you're trying to build a network because you meet all those people and you keep in touch with them and then you say oh well i might not be able to do this job but i know someone else who can and vice versa you know so it's important that aspect but honestly you know it's it's only important if you really want to learn from a specific person that you know teaches at that school you know what i'm saying yeah yeah that's a good point actually because i i kind of feel like you're right in terms of like we live in a society nowadays where you can just look on YouTube and it has like unlimited resources for everything you possibly would ever need to know, like, for, you know, creative wise or other. So I think you are right. Like I think it's about discipline more than anything else in terms of whether or not somebody needs to have quote unquote a formal education. It's about, you know, having the, the mindset to want to learn and actually retaining the information you actually look at because, you know, you know, if you're sitting around watching Netflix, you know, you could spend an hour watching something on YouTube that's going to be informative. You know, there are ways around kind of learning. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm very kind of in two minds about formal education. I think it it can be really good and it can be necessary in some certain circumstances, especially if you want to do something like, you know, like host a gallery or kind of business management. Or I think business is more important for an artist to have have some experience in than art in terms of education um, and actually yeah. uh, it is on my notes um do you actually have any advice on the business side of art oh man well i'm only five years into this this thing and uh you know 
selling my art as a business and it, learn, learn to say no that that's an important thing because yes. if you take on too much you know especially and i think art is something very specific to where you create from you other people obviously pay you you know to create yeah. an image that they might have thought of but it has to come from you and if there's no connection right then it's just gonna it's not gonna be your best you know uh but learn to say no and definitely um get out there you know that's something you know my classmates in in school were not doing they did not um push themselves a little bit to go out and network and i was willing to take the risks to do some jobs that didn't pay too well to build my portfolio and i think sometimes in the business you definitely have to make sacrifices and it's just part of the game you know because people say i want things for my, for my portfolio uh you know actual jobs that i've done but then they are presented with jobs and they kind of go ah no you know but there's things that you have to take risks with and you know you may not like it but if you're willing to give it a chance it'll take you in the right direction i think yeah and also you don't actually know how that final project might turn out it might actually be the best piece of work you've ever created because you're going to be challenged to create something that you wouldn't have wanted to necessarily create yourself and it's, it, it can sometimes actually be more helpful than a hindrance yep yeah i definitely like there's probably jobs that i've gotten that i i haven't wanted to do but it, it leads to the next thing and i you know i feel like i'm contradicting myself a little bit by saying don't say no but also take risks and there's there's a there's a balance to it you know yeah. if some somebody lowballs you like you know and it's a huge project say no like don't do it but if if there's like a like a logo design or something or a painting you know and they're offering you a decent amount of money say yes because that's one more job you have in your portfolio you know yeah and it's gonna just it's gonna as you said it's about balance it'll balance out your portfolio show you can do different things rather than just the same thing over and over again because you know mm -hmm. i think that's so that we'll get into later for sure in terms of like the balance between personal and kind of commercial work but um before that i wanted to ask you like, what is the biggest challenge of being an artist you know, I I was actually I was looking at all the questions earlier just to like refresh my mind and whatnot, and that that uh, that question stuck out of my head. And I I think challenge is a, is a, a perceptive word, you know, um, and the biggest challenge can be you know taking on a difficult project that you might not be comfortable with, but it also might be making money, you know. And there's so many different challenges that you can face doing art, especially if you choose to do it for a living. Um, time management is one of them. Uh, yeah. Life balance is one of them. Like I was, I was up till twelve last night, um, working on a, a on a project for sketch cards. Um, it was a personal commission, but you know, I I said, the, you know, I'm willing to because he's a regular client, and I said I'm I'm willing to. Put in, put in that extra time to make sure that you get what you need. And like I said, sacrifices. You got to make sacrifices. 
I don't drink uh, I don't drink uh, monsters or energy energy drinks, but you know there's some people that do and it gets them through. I just tend to like take it easy and that gets me through it. You know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's a that's a good advice. Don't drink monster energy drink. Take it easy. Absolutely. I yeah. like that. I like that advice a lot actually. Um, yeah. The question. So the funny thing about that question is that that is a question I ask every single artist I ever meet. Um, whether that's yeah. in person or online, I always ask them that one question because it's the perfect mm-hmm. icebreaker because everybody has a very different answer. So it's a it's a great question to ask people. I love asking it because, as you said, it's very subjective. Like what you think is challenging is not going to be challenging for the next person. So exactly, it's cool. It's uh, and everyone always says either making money or social media, <laughs> which is great. It's an entirely different game. From I know that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. What kind of different hats do you have to wear as an artist other than just creating the work? <laughs> um, you know, I, mm, I'm i not very good at wearing hats <laughs> to begin with. So I have, you know, I have uh, my my best friend who's kind of my manager and she, she helps me with the business side of things on the social media and everything. She's like my assistant slash manager. But... Uh, Normally, I don't really um, put on other hats. I'm just myself. And, you know, I just talk with the customer or whoever's interested. And um, not even a customer, just a person. You know, I feel it's important to be your authentic self. And it's so much easier than, you know, trying to kind of pour something down someone's throat if you just talk to them i find that it you know works a lot easier but as far as different hats i i definitely have to do invoices there's a biz, big business aspect to it but um i kind of put that on the back burner you know maybe i shouldn't but <laughs> you i'm know, not sure it, if you should but <laughs> it, it's it's it just thing, things tend to come to me if i if i wait long enough so I'm never like. I guess maybe I wear two hats: the 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 invoice guy and the and, and the painting guy. But ship, shipping shipping the stuff out. Oh my god! You know what? Going back to the whole challenging thing. Yeah. Ship, shipping out is a is a challenge for me. Like I'll get the piece done in three days, but if you want it like a week from now, forget it. Like I don't know what it's, I, I have a mental breakdown just trying to put packages together. It's the worst. <laughs> that's actually so that's actually really funny because um quite a while back um what episode was it i think it was episode i'm gonna say number 10 um so it was mm-hmm. quite a while ago now um there was an artist i spoke to felicity beaumont um who's an incredible figurative artist i'll send you her work later actually you might really like her work actually i'll send it to you later um and the one thing that she said about challenges was packaging work like nobody teaches yep. you how to package work um mm-hmm. it's something you really have to figure out by yourself and then also you as you said you know actually getting it out on time in one piece, you know, without dam- being damaged is a whole nother ball game because that's out of your control. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's you know, foam board seems to do the trick. Um, but I, I haven't really sold uh, any, like, huge, huge pieces. Um, I usually do, like, 8 by 10s and stuff because that's what, that's what I'm comfortable with. Um, but I have shipped out like a couple large pieces and if it's on canvas i'm like hey do you mind if i just take this off 
<laughs> and send it to you and they're like yeah sure and i'm like it'll be a lot less expensive for you and it, it works out that yeah. way you know mm-hmm. yeah because i think that's something that we don't really think about in terms of like it's all good seeing the art online but we forget it's actually a physical object like it's going to be either owned by somebody or the artist actually has it physically in front of them you know i think yeah. we very much forget that is a physical object and i think the idea of shipping it out and not really knowing if it's going to be damaged or not is you know, I think the panic of every artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I don't even think they do that with like uh, bigger studios now. I think bigger studios just they take a photograph of it. And uh, well, I'm talking, well, it's when I say studios, I mean like networks, television, all, you know, they're like, take a photo of it. And that's kind of why I got into digital work too, because I thought to myself, well, if they're going to want me to do a, a photograph of it maybe the art isn't complete when it's you know on the canvas maybe i can do something with it and uh, appropriate which by the way i mean I've, I've seen some of the stuff i think the stranger things poster when that show first came out that was done completely appropriate and i, I still have not figured out how to get to that level in that program i'm like well, what <laughs> how did how did he do that you know i could i could use a pencil to like <laughs> some edges around my word but that's that's it you know but that's really cool that you've got like almost like a goal you want to aspire to you know mm-hmm. and it, it's nice to to kind of realize like you're always still learning i think that's the thing about art not just art but just people in general like we're always learning like no matter how old you are no matter how much you've done you're always still learning something new um and i think that's really cool that's really cool and actually let's get into your work so um oh. would you like to describe your work for people who may not have seen it because quite very multifaceted man it's always you know because I, I think one time you asked for like an artist statement from me I just, <laughs> I just have never uh, you know this is actually like a lot of the questions that I saw that we you kind of sent me were very like they hit home I was like I've never really thought about this before so they're good questions and this was one of them like I don't know how to describe my work and i've been thinking about it all week you know and i i would say that there's definitely like a playfulness to it um definitely like uh okay um you know because like i said i was into coloring books uh when i was younger obviously younger (laughs) 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 and um there seems to be a bit of that that colorful aspects you know play with the inner child going on you know exploring things like star wars and 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 you know um but also there's more more of a serious side to the work i think where i also like the theme of uh dichotomies like complete opposites you know yin and yang light and dark uh light and shadow um and I, I want to say that some of my influences are people like Mark Davis and Mike Mignola. And I think the use of my, uh, of the way I portray uh, light and shadow definitely shows, but isn't an exact copy. Because when you see Mike Mignola, he's like, you know, dark on one side, colorful on the other. And I, I think that that's an easy balance, you know, very sculptural. But um, 
you know, I think it all goes back to just consuming all all that stuff when I was a kid and it just had an influence on me. And, you know, I definitely also, um, as far as portraits go, um, I like to observe people. You know, there's always a story in someone's face. And, you know, it depends on the artist, but I think it's the artist's job to kind of pull that out. What emotion are they feeling, you know? Um, I've, I've had many people tell me it's, it's, you know, when I, when I do eyes, it's like the eyes jump off the page and look at you and I don't do it on purpose, but you know, it's just something that I kind of have a focus on, you know, this, this area in specific is always a focus for me. And I think that definitely shows also like, I like to play around with, uh, composition negative space positive space i mean but to describe my work i, I think there's just definitely a playfulness like a connection with the inner child going on there yes that's actually yeah connection with the inner child is actually a really great way to describe it and obviously it is very playful and colorful so yeah that's perfect and it's absolutely cool and i think to be honest it's kind of i'm very, very conscious of the questions i ask people are stuff you probably haven't been asked for a very long time because um People don't really ask you to describe your work. And as an artist, it can be very hard to describe what you do because you do it instinctively. It's very kind of, for you, it's very visceral. It just, it kind of is natural to you. It's just something that you, you don't even have to, you don't really think about it because you just do it. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so, so I love it when I ask people that question, they're just like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Let me get that. <laughs> hey, well, that's cool. I, I'm glad you uh, liked the question. Um, so your work is a mix between personal and commercial projects and kind of like what yes. percentage of either do you do like roughly? Well, you know, sometimes I do think that um, most of the work I've done in the past five years has been like commissioned from other people. And, I, you know, while I do work for myself, um, I think there's definitely like an imbalance there. Um, but I, I would say, like, percentage-wise, maybe 70% for other people and then 30% for myself, you know. But, again, that all falls into my hands, you know. Again, going back to saying no to things, I could easily just change that. You know, click or not. I may, you know, lose the roof over my head, but, you know, <laughs> I can always say no. <laughs> would be ideal, that. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean it's 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 fun, but the you know doing work for other people, I'm kind of in the process right now, actually trying to flip that. I do uh, want to get uh, you know a a job, <laughs> you know one of those things, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and try and focus more on on my work, uh, and because my portfolio definitely needs to be. Um, built up i think there's a lot of things that i want to explore that i haven't had the chance to like what just out of curiosity if you're comfortable sharing well um you know uh about a month ago i had someone approach me with a project to do um rorschach designs you know inkblot tests but they uh, were like yes. to treat um characters to hold at like a convention and uh so I kind of want to explore like uh, body image and this will be getting into the figurative work, but body image and, you know, a lot of that has to be, 
the the scientific uh, idea of beauty is just symmetry, right? And inkblot tests are usually symmetrical. They mirror both sides. So I think that's a very interesting idea to explore. And also with me, you know, thinking about the whole inner child connection, I kind of want to explore that more. Because I had a habit of painting people yellow when I was younger and using a bunch of colors. And I think that is something I, I kind of want to revisit. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, I think seeing it now, you know, would would definitely be like a, a, a best of both worlds kind of thing. Um, definitely more portraits. Um, there's just so much stuff. I mean, with the digital stuff, you can do so much. I mean, I try and keep most of it traditional um, because I feel there's a disconnect with do- just doing stuff completely digital. Um, but, you know, I, I started the one figurative series of like figures with the flowers in the background. And, and that was all stuff that I found. I, I want to do more of that, but I just haven't had time. You know, it's, I got a bunch of ideas. You know, I'm, I'm mind is constantly just, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, but again, time and money and all that stuff. So, how do you organize your ideas then? Do you write these all down? Okay, so this is the crazy part. Um, I don't <laughs> don't organize the ideas. They all just stay there. And they filter out when I when I do the work. Um, uh, uh, I just let it ruminate, and but that's also a part of the creative process: is rumination. And uh, a lot of the creative process that I do uh, through for ideas actually happens when I'm on the verge of sleep. You know, it's very, and it goes into a whole uh, meditation type uh, uh, process, I guess you could say. But I have this thing in the back of my head that just shows me images, right? And it'll explain the ideas to me, but it's almost like it's in like like this, like in the snap of a finger. And then I wake up, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to do. It's like when I was going through school, the, like teachers wanted to see thumbnails and I would do like the first one and that's the idea I had. And then I would do two more, like 10 more because that's what was required of me. And they're like, I like that first one. Like that's, that's how it happens for me. I don't, you know, I'm not against thumbnails, but I've never really done them before. Unless I'm doing like collaborations or stuff like yeah. that to get my ads across. But yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's so interesting. But I wonder why mm-hmm. it's like when you're about to go to sleep though. I wonder if it's just like your mind's way of kind of being like, this is what you're thinking about. This is what you need to do. Like, that's so interesting. But it's also very, very funny. Yeah, and then um, the, there's also, you know, I started looking into this about a month ago. I was doing a lot of things about a month ago. But <laughs> um, there is something, a meditation practice called Transcendental Meditation. And what I found when I started practicing was it accessed that part of me that was creating. And what would happen is I would just like take a nap and I'd wake up with an idea, you know, um, 
and come to find out that that meditation process actually uh, activates theta waves in the brain. So it's a more restful sleep. And it feels like you're in between sleep and rest or sleep and being awake. But it's this this area uh, neurologically that uh, allows you to get more rest. And that's where um, a lot of creative ideas come from. That's what the scientists believe anyways. So that's that's what I'm thinking it comes from. I don't know. It could be some higher self-spiritual being telling me, hey, paint this. You'll, you'll do good at this. But I don't, I, you know, I just create. And, you know, people ask me and that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's ours. um that's cool though but that's true though because like hey that's how if it works for you it works for you i mean you can't really do anything about that especially mm-hmm. when it's like to do with sleep like what are you gonna do um Times before. <laughs> right. So I've done that plenty of time before where I forget your pause and that. And I'm like, oh crap, that's not very fun. Um, I actually once did it when <laughs> I had an interview with some guy and we spoke for like two hours. And I ended the meeting and as soon as I ended it, I was I didn't press record. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, he was super lovely. We did it again. <laughs> I was just a bit like none of us had any idea what we actually spoke about. We're going to do it again. Um, but yeah, don't be doing that again. Anyways, okay, so. Um, I kind of want to ask you about commercial and personal work. Like, what is the difference between the two? Like, do you define them differently? Um, oh, man. Yes. Um, so commercial work is for other people. Um, <laughs> personal work is for myself. But there is also, uh, uh, like, so in school, they taught us that illustration has... You know, it can be personal work, but usually it has a very specific format that it's being used for. Like, you know, um, 
you're doing a book cover or a poster or a flyer, what have you, an album cover. But personal work is very much just a painting, a sculpture, what have you. There's no intended uh, intended goal for it. it. It's just, it remains the way it is. An illustration is made for prints in mind. That's commercial work, obviously. Um, but I find that with a lot of my commercial work, it, you know, I guess it's because that's what I kind of go after. It tends to be personal work as well, you know, because I, I do Star Wars and all that stuff. And uh, obviously, I, I love Star Wars. So, you know, it kind of it kind of works out. Um, but th- th- there's really not much more to elaborate on that. It's, it's very, very simple. It's like, you know, you've got to decide, you know, where the boundaries is set, really. So a question I didn't actually put on this list, but I've just thought about it because you were just talking. Is like, do you think mm-hmm. there is a distinction between an illustrator and an artist? And do you think they're seen differently? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the, <laughs> there's, um, for illustration, there's always the, the, uh, cliche I guess that everything has to be prim and proper and 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 looks dynamic and and suitable for you know being on display and uh, then there's you know the concept of the artist which is just creating stuff right and I you know it's been I've been asked this question before and it's been years since I was like uh, kind of had to dealt with it. But I do remember back in school there there was definitely a a uh, a split between the idea of what an illustrator is and an artist is, you know. Um like Lion Decker and and um Rockwell, those guys, they're they're, they're illustrators, but they're very much artists at the same time. But I think, you know, with illustration, the the cliche is having to illustrate a scene of some kind, um, which you could very easily do that with a painting just being an artist. But I think an artist is more or less just exploring your entire breadth of creativity rather than just going down a specific path, you know. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great answer. And the only reason I asked is because I've just wrote down a list of um, illustrators I want to send you that are people mm-hmm. whose work I like. Uh, a couple of them I've interviewed, but people I like. And I just kind of thought, like, why am I sending you just illustrators? Why don't I just send you artists as well? Um, but you're right, because I think one of the kind of common denominators, I guess, for illustrators is that their work denotes to a story for a specific use or a specific thing, whereas an artist mm-hmm. are a lot more expressive. It's kind of about anything. It's kind of a bit more ambiguous, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the way most illustrators start out is they're, they're artists and then yeah. somebody says, hey, I really like your work. Do you want to do a painting for this, you know, book, Harry Potter? I don't know, whatever. And they're like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. And <laughs> then that's that's where the whole thing starts. But um, I actually noticed that a lot, of, a lot of artists are really getting into poster design nowadays. 
that's that's something I'm trying to go down to. I genuinely love film, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's where my mind stops. <laughs> that's cool, though. It's interesting. I think the great thing about art and creativity is that you can really kind of learn so many different skills that are going to help you. So, like, excuse me, like with poster design comes like you know typography, comes graphic design, comes color theory, you know, comes composition. You know, oh, there's yeah. so many different skills and, and ideas and things to learn. And it's kind of cool mm-hmm. because it's kind of never ending. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's, that's the beauty of everything is, you know, you, you tend to never stop learning. You know, when you, and artists, artist block is a thing I, I've been told. I've never really had that, but I, I think what it might come from is, you know, for me personally, you know, I don't I don't suffer from artist walk because I, I constantly have ideas, but maybe it's I get tired of the same thing and uh I want to explore something not different, but maybe a different concept and um that you know and through learning different techniques uh you tend to improve upon your work and also explore other ideas and then that's where the whole i've never seen something like this before comes i was like yeah i i read a book last night it's really interesting you know (laughs) yeah no actually that's that's a very fair point though the idea of like looking at different kind of external influences that are not just say other people's work or other illustrators like you're right like you can watch a film and be inspired you can you know read a book and be inspired you can walk down the street and be inspired you don't have to be inspired from people who are doing your craft you can be inspired from other places and because you'll be inspired from other places your work would be a bit more original and it'll be from a different it would create from a different place because I, I do kind of sometimes think i kind of wonder like is the fact that we're all so much online affecting the way that we create our work like how much does social media change the way you you view your own work and the way you choose to create your own work mm-hmm. well yeah I, I definitely think you know what you said about going down the street being inspired you know at the idea is to like it, you, you kind of want to think out of the box at some point um and that kind of opens up possibilities and you know there's so so many things in the outside world that you can, you can literally just step on a rock and be like oh good looking rock i'd love to paint that you know something something like that you know? um but as far as social media goes so um i actually deleted my facebook um about a month and a half ago maybe it was getting way too out of control um and i think there is so i'm really into psychology and so in the 1960s there was a lot of studies done about uh connections to uh the prevalence of adhd and um the introduction of uh of the television screen, right? And uh, I think what might be happening is because modern technology is so new to us, as not even uh, not even just people in this in this period, but just the entire entirety of you know civilization itself. Um, 
our brains cannot comprehend what is on the screen, right? And there's been studies shown that when people ask about uh, like what happens in their dreams as far as screens go, people can hold a phone in their hand, but there's never anything on the screen. And it's because I guess our mind is saying, oh, this, this new thing and we can't adjust to it. Um, and, uh, even, you know, my dreams are very, very boring. I go to the mall, I go to the movies. I basically like do that in, in real life and then go to sleep and then, you know, do all that while I'm sleeping. But when I'm dreaming and I'm like sitting down in a movie theater, there's never anything on the screen. And it is the weirdest thing to me. And I've had other people tell me this about their phones and stuff. So I, so I think there's like a, a definite, um, disconnection our subconscious mind is trying to process it and you know we go we go on it so much that it just can't keep up with it and but as far as like influence influencing art i definitely think that it has some form of impact especially at night let me tell you how how this works so the brain does something about an hour before you sleep and it's a very good thing if you want to learn something right However, if you don't want to learn something and you don't want it to influence you, um, about an hour before, maybe 45 minutes, all that information the brain intakes, right? It begins to process it right before you sleep. The brain literally does a, a chemical wash um, and it does that throughout the night and it processes the information you learned from the previous day. So I guarantee you that if you go to bed tonight, and you, you know, try and learn something or try, uh, it can be used as a form of accessing the subconscious as well. Um, you know, trying to figure something out about yourself around, for my time, it would be like six or seven where the sun like first starts to come up. That's when the brain says, okay, let's try and process this. So, and dreams come from the subconscious, right? So essentially, when you look at your phone about an hour before, in bed specifically, like you have to be like laid down starting to rest because that's when the process starts. Your brain does all that by itself. Um, it'll influence you and you won't even know it because your brain is processing all that stuff because it can't, it can't process everything. Obviously, we, we right. put everything as humans. So the images scrolling through social media will begin to influence you. And, uh, but, um, I think that the overabundance of images that we're exposed to definitely have an influence on us and it's beginning to get to a point where I think we're going to have to take a step back and ask ourselves like what is this doing to us you know creatively specifically other than that I don't know but uh, you know um, because I noticed that um, there, especially uh the figurative work there's there's that one style that's going around where it's 
abstract and kind of uh, done with chalk. I think Martin D. Campus is the one who started it, the, the specific style. But um, there's a lot of people that try and imitate that. And I, I think, you know, that's good for learning, but it tends to seep into someone's style. And then you, and you're like, well, is this the same guy? You know, it, it all blends together and that's not good. It's definitely affecting our creativity for sure. Actually, on the subject of style, like how important do you think it is for an artist to have a style? Well, okay, so here's my philosophy on this. Everyone has a creative language, right? And you, everyone draws a line differently. Like if someone, you know, you take a ruler to it, it's obviously going to be the same. But so it, it's almost like people know how to creatively speak and not just um, it, it, in, a, in a visual sense. I think everyone already has their style. There's different... Um, Subtle, subtle differences that, um, like for example, you you know you look at two differently, two different artists, and you know that they are, it's that artist, you know, it's because they have a very creative uh, language. I call it a visual language. Sorry, it's a visual language, and it's all based on mark making. Right. And that's basically goes back to motor skills and, you know, um, how the brain operates, you know, it, 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 you know, but I don't think that style is necessarily important. I think it's basically innate. Right. And eventually you'll find something that works for you as you start to access that part of your brain. But um, it's style is important to sell yourself. For sure. Um, I think that ideas are more important than style. Style is how you would sell yourself or how you define yourself. But ideas take precedent over that. Because ideas, um, style is how you would, you know, kind of, uh, what's the word, execute those ideas, right? So it, it goes down the line. But if it's necessary to have a style, not it's there's so much of people telling us that we need things, and then when you start to think about it, it kind of you sit back and you're like, "Well, do I need this?" Like you know, because nine times out of ten, there's there's jobs in the illustration industry where. I, I experienced it before, uh, you know, I, I got compared to uh, Bill Sienkiewicz a lot, and I still do, in the comic world. I actually did a job where they were like, we want you to recreate this, this cover because you have a style similar to his, but we want you to make it in his style. And I was like, my style is similar, then why do you need me to, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> He created it and he, he saw it and he loved it. Thank goodness. Uh, I was I was afraid for that. But um, you know, it's style is just one of those things like 
you know, do we need it? Do we not? I'm not the one who can say, but um, again, it goes back to how much of our creative identities are things that we've been told and things that we don't know, you know? Yeah, that's very, very, that's very true. And I think you're right because especially like style, style is a good, a good uh, point for that. Like you are always told, oh, you need your own style. You need to be original. You need to be doing something different. And it's like, that's partly true. There is some truth to that because you want to be doing something different, but then different doesn't always sell. And if your aim is to make money, then you have to also think about what is going to sell, what is profitable, what is commercial. You know, I think, I think for me, I think when it comes to style, at least, I think, you know, as long as you're not directly copying somebody and you're not, you know, trying to be somebody else, then I think, you know, you'll have a style eventually because you're creating from your own place. Like as long as you're creating work that's authentic to you, you'll always have your own style. Yeah. I mean, so when I was growing up, like, you know, I never had anybody telling me to, because my style is relatively, you know, unique within itself. And I never had anybody tell me, oh, you need to do like master studies and whatnot. And, or, or, you know, copy this drawing or copy that drawing. I chose to do it at times because I thought, well, if I want to draw Mickey Mouse, maybe I should draw him to learn how to draw him. But, um, I think definitely there's that, that there's that area in, in the academic uh, portion of the art world. It's, it's it's almost pushed upon a student to copy works to to be yeah. able to learn. But like it, it, it again that influences your creative output, you know, because you're picking up visual cues and then your brain says, "Oh, let me put this into my motor skills," and then it kind of all snowballs and then you you know you're studying bernini enough you're gonna become the next bernini you know it's it's yeah. that simple um because painting is just uh it's a, it's a learned thing drawing is a learned thing it's, it's when you kind of learn to step back from that and say well what if i did this the you know the whole what if i did this you know and explored that and you know, it's, i i never they they tried to get me to like copy paintings in school and I was like, no, no, that's not that's not me. Like, why am I gonna why am I gonna do that? If you pay me enough, maybe. But you know, no, nah, I'm not I'm not gonna do something like that now. I think that's um that's actually a really valid point though, because it's like now you mentioned that you're right, because in schools they do just teach people just to copy images instead of being, mm-hmm. you know creative and having your own identity and kind of thinking about what you're actually interested in creating is a case of mm-hmm. like oh this is you know you know a francis bacon painting you know copy it you know or like or i like paint yourself in a francis bacon style it's like but that's not helpful it should be more like you know what are the emotions of this painting you know what you know do you see in this painting you know transfer that into an image yourself you know there's there's ways of teaching people um i think maybe a bit differently but hey i'm no teacher so i'm <laughs> You know, I, I think it's important. It's a, it's a responsibility as an artist, personal responsibility to find your creative voice, your, your visual language for all of that. And, you know, by copying something, you know, they it, there's almost a hypocrisy in it because they say, you know, they, they, they say, learn from this painting. 
but don't draw anime. Don't don't draw those guys. You know, that's not that's not learning. But what's the difference? We're we're taking in visual information and learning from it. There's there's no difference. It's just a difference, very different in style. But you know, um, yeah, it, it's just. I, I I think that it's the responsibility of the artist to find themselves. Education can help, but there has to be a, a time and a place where you say, okay, this is cool. I've learned enough. Let's step back and start exploring other things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a very, very, that's a very good um, thought, actually. And, um, Actually, I want to ask you about, so your work is very much embedded, well, at least some of your work is very much embedded in pop culture, um, which I'm very, very curious about, just because, as you can imagine, copyright, um, you know, you use images, you know, from Disney, from Pokemon, for instance, you know, kind of like, I'm just generally quite curious. As soon as I saw your work, I was like, that's exactly what I want to ask. Um, so how do you navigate kind of the idea of copyright? What's creating images that are like from pop culture? Well, so... There's there's this law, you know, copyright law is very ambiguous in itself. Like nobody, yeah. I, I was, I took a I took a copyright law class in, in school, and even the law professor, he he was such a funny guy, but he was like, nobody actually knows anything about this stuff, you know, and so he's just like, draw it, but don't make a bunch of money off of it, <laughs> you know, and that's that's. <laughs> It goes, but the, you know, I, I've learned that a one image instance, like an original, won't hurt you. It's when you take that image and you start printing, you know, hundreds of them, hundreds upon hundreds of them, and making money off that. That's that's when Disney comes to your door and is like, "Hello, yeah, here's this piece of paper. Stop it, you know." <laughs> yeah. And but. Um, I, it's a very risky thing. And, you know, a lot, a lot, I've, I've talked to some of the Disney artists and I've showed them my work and they don't say anything. So I guess it's okay, right? Uh, you know, but, well, um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But either that or they just don't care. They're like, ah, I just, I just, I just do this for the money. You know, they don't, I'm not them, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, no. Um, pop culture is definitely just one of those things that interests me and um, basically I, I, I was doing comic commissions because that's just what I am well I thought I was into at the time and while it was very interesting I'm kind of growing out of that and because you know uh, Superman Superman you know it's just it's a Artistically, it's a one-hit wonder. There's, there's probably some things you can do with it, but uh, I like to explore the pop culture things, and it's more specifically, I like, I like the stories of the characters, you know, um, because like Magneto, for instance, his helmet comes from the Greek myth of Hades and Hades' helmet, and you know, that's what Hades used to like kind of block people out. And that's what Magneto uses to keep Xavier out. All, all these things, like when these characters were being created in, in the 1940s, 
they're linked back to mythology. Almost every story is linked back to mythology and the, and the hero's journey and all that stuff. Star Wars, especially. Oh my god! But you know, don't get me started on that. But it's 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 interesting to see how those things connect to the stories that they come from. But with Pokemon, uh, you know. I started exploring Nintendo recently, and that's that's basically what got me into that. It's basically like what I like to explore tends to reflect into my work, and it just tends to be a lot of pop culture. That's that's all it is. Plus, commissions, comic commissions, are really what sells, you know, for me personally. Yeah, because I'm just very interested. Because you know, when I think of like. Artists creating images of pop culture. I think of people like Anthony Lister and like Cause, for instance, who creates stuff based on popular culture. And they're artists that sell their work for, at least in Cause's case, you know, millions of millions of, of dollars. And it's kind of like, wow, you know, art's art. You know, the <laughs> idea of like you, it's hard to kind of copyright an image. Um, and not just that, like you, I, you know, I've I've always been told like, oh, you can't draw Mickey Mouse because you know, Disney will come knocking on your door. But then it's just like, so people just do like alternative versions that are just quite, that are not quite Mickey Mouse, but you know, also not not Mickey Mouse either. So it's kind of like, it's like street artists, the, the kind of way that they reappropriate pop culture and kind of blend it with something new. I think that's very fascinating. Um, it's just something I'm really fascinated with by just generally in terms of like, as you said yourself, it is quite risky because you don't know where that image is going to end up. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to see that image and potentially not be happy with it, you know? I mean, that's that's something that's always on the back of my mind, too, because I do have a lot of Disney community following me on Instagram, and I've submitted work to the Disney Fine Art Program, and there's, like, always that thing in the back of my head, like, are, are they are they watching me? Like, you know, <laughs> they go back to my page and say, no, what, what's this dude up to? You know, that's always a concern for me, but I like I like to turn it on its head and think, well, you know, they could just end up saying, we want you to work for us, which has happened. I know a couple of artists who get uh, work from that. So it's, like I said, as long as you're not like making millions of bucks off of it. Um, But I, you know, the thought popped up in my head uh, while you were talking. I think pop culture can also present a, a challenge to create something new you know because there's such an abundance of images like i i like coke cans like i just i have a shelf of just coca-cola and coca-cola has a great marketing team going for them like pepsi they they suck (laughs) um but you know it it offers you by looking at something you know it offers you to look at it and say well what if i did this instead, you know, instead of kind of perceiving it as I, I definitely want to draw this, step back a little and, and say, well, you know, what if I did this instead? And that that's kind of the approach that I like to take with things, you know, really kind of think about it before I just go into it, you know. That's cool because it kind of gives you a chance to kind of connect with what you're actually creating rather than just creating work just to create work. Um, I think that's actually quite a good way to look at it. It's an interesting approach because, you know, a lot of people just, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to create this day and create it. They don't think actually, 
how is this actually going to like help you as it ashes? Because you know, at the end of the day, you're putting your time into what you're creating, you know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So it has to kind of serve you in a way, even if it is for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I I had I've had this idea for the longest time to create like abstract uh, paintings based off of pop culture, you know, something for like Coca-Cola and red and white. That's all it is. Um, and then there's like you could do Star Wars things too, you know, the top of the Millennium Falcon, make it a little bit abstract, pile it up, and you know, make it textural and whatnot. Um, and there's so much you can do if you just step back and you ask yourself questions rather than just, you know, uh, there's, and I think, I think a lot of the times too, a collaboration helps with that uh, thinking process. Because I've, I've done projects that get the best work from me when I collaborate with someone because we bounce ideas off of each other. Um, I did a poster for uh, the Bo Burnham Inside special, and I I don't even watch Netflix, but this 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 guy approached me. He's like, you know what? This will be perfect for you. I I'm like, I don't even watch Netflix. I don't. Who's Bo Burnham? Like, but I had heard of it, obviously. And that's also another interesting thing too. Like, pop culture is so everywhere. But then there's some people that are completely oblivious to it. And it's what you choose to consume. That's what it comes down to. But he said, you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, okay. Uh, So, but, you know, and I was like, I want to do something, you know, challenging for this. And so the idea literally came to me. I was sitting at my kitchen table. The closet was open. And it was like a light shined right on it. And there is a back of a canvas that was uh, visible to me. So it had the wood panel. And I thought, well, that could be interesting. It could be the frame of the poster. And then, you know, you take different portraits of him and put it in this. And, you know, everything is kind of inside, quote unquote. and then I thought, well, there's a lot of wires in the movie. So I literally took photographs of like plugs and all that stuff and, you know, laid it on top of the canvas. And I just started building this. And then we kind of went back and forth with these ideas. And that's that's the beauty of it. And I'm starting another project now with another fellow artist. Uh, they, I think they work with Poster Posse. But... Um, that's like a movie poster uh, advertising agency. And they, they collaborate with artists and they're trying to bring back like the traditional poster, like hand-drawn. And just to collaborate with them, I said, you know, because I'm a big Disney fan, I said, what if, what if we do like a light year poster? And this person does like blueprints and stuff, very like architectural stuff. And I thought, well, what if, because the new Lightyear movie is supposed to be about the the uh, the movie that Andy saw that wanted him to get the toy. And I said, "Well, does this movie have a poster?" And I was like, "What if it's a movie? It should have a poster." So the idea I'm trying to create with this person is, what is the poster that goes with this movie? 
that Andy saw. And not the movie for the actual, not the poster for the actual movie itself, but the movie. Uh, and, yeah, it's, in the movie. It's, it's, yeah, it's what if, like, just pushes so many different things away, you know? That's so cool. But that's interesting how ideas can come to you just from kind of like out of seemingly out of nowhere. Or it just, it kind of just shows that, like, you know, obviously the way you see the world is very different. And actually, that's a question I don't think I just list, which is the idea of like, do you think that being an artist gives you a, a different perspective on the world? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I mean, things can be definitely mellow and dramatic a lot of the time. But, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I tend to be, um, you know, with portraits and stuff, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell these people, you know, you have a really nice nose, or really nice eyes or something like that. And I always tend to view um, things that people don't like about themselves. And that, that's for portraits, figurative, everything. You know, it's, it's, I tend to, take something uh, negative, perceived negatively, and turn it into a perceived positive. And that's, I guess that's just the way I, I view things, you know. They're, and it's also like, man. So, and I, you know, I think art can, can sometimes limit what you perceive or how you perceive it as well because you know you're stuck in a studio for so long you don't know what's out there you know and then um yeah i just i i remember um working on my first like figure drawing final in school i spent like eight hours straight just doing big like 16 by 20 i didn't have to do this mind you i just something inside me said i want to do this and like i I went back to the, the tv and all i was seeing was like cross hatching and lines and everything so there was definitely a, a blend of like you know my drawings were becoming reality and vice versa and i was like no turn it off i need sleep <laughs> but um yeah i mean i I think it, you know, the things that we perceive just tend to influence our work more or less. I mean, I, I, I may have a different view than most people. I may not, you know. And I think that's that's kind of what helps with art too. Is like once you get it out visually, because it's a visual medium, then people are like, "Oh, is that what you see?" You know, hey, that could be either a good or a bad thing, but you know, it 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 helps for sure. But I mean. I'm, I I really don't I don't know personally. No. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Is that what you say? Like um yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then so that's but like that's a good thing though. Like art allows you to kind of express things you can't speak about or like say things or like you know, showcase emotions that you can't really speak about. I think that's really the kind of the joy of it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean and the same thing can be said about music as well. You know, um, sound is a very important thing. And there's definitely different chords that you could hit on a piano that uh, that'll evoke an emotion. 
and for some reason there's something in us that resonates with that yeah and i think it's just an innate thing unless you're like tone deaf or something <laughs> you know, and, and you tend to like feel it you know and again i think all of this like just goes back to the emotions that people feel and it's more or less you know maybe art is about getting our emotions out on paper for me, it's never been that. At least I think so. I don't know. I could be wrong. But like, you know, I, I know for a lot of people, it's, you know, I gotta, I gotta get this out. Like, it's like, calm down. You know, the paper is not going to attack you. Just go, go, go against the edge smoothly. You know, it, it'll be fine. But then you go roughly and it's like, it creates that, that line, that harsh, oh my God. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Like, you know, I learned, that uh, actually certain types of mediums can influence um, your your emotions actually. Like uh, watercolor is good if you want to stay calm, but acrylic and oil is not so great because it activates a lot of the like of the, the amygdala apparently. It, it's very interesting stuff. It, sculpting is good for that too. But you know, you do too much of it and then you get stressed out. But for some people, they um, they tend to enjoy painting really thickly, and and, and knowing that, I, I I start to wonder like, what what is your perception of things? You know, like, are you angry all the time? Like, <laughs> yes, but it's, I mean, so that's that's actually why I choose to not uh, paint with oil or acrylic anymore. Um, because I was crazy back in school. Like I, I would, I would, I would take sand, mix it with gesso, pile it up, and and paint thickly and all that stuff. And it just, I didn't realize it at the time. But then someone told me that this might be what's happening. And so I said, you know, I had one of those like deer in the headlights moments my entire life flashed before. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? I need to need to paint with watercolors now. Yeah, I use gouache because it's, you know, um, very, um, it, you can't paint thickly with it, um, but you can also water it down. So there's like a happy balance. It can play with opacities with it. But I, for my figure drawings, I use this, um, this walnut drawing ink. It's Tom Norton's original, light fast, water soluble, acid free. Thank God, drawing ink, <laughs> and uh, I tend to really like that for the. Um, those are the sepia uh, tones in the figure drawings that I do, and then for um, the the colorful like half figure ones, I actually use gouache, but I use um, Crayola Crown that's melted on top of those and it, again like the first i think the first question you asked me is like defining my work or whatever there was like uh i was talking about like connecting with the inner child you know using crayola crowns bright colorful things you know i i, I could do that but uh, i've also been exploring sculpting as well so there's there's a lot of different things that you know i'm doing but it's I thought it was very interesting when somebody told me that 
the, the, the medium you use can affect your mood. And it makes sense now because I tried to do like an acrylic, like a big acrylic painting a couple weeks ago and I felt horrible afterwards. I was like, nope, I'm, I'm never doing this again. You know, I'm staying small. I, I think also like the size for me too, when I was younger, and this goes back to people influencing um, your habits creatively. You know, they the teachers would always try and push do a really big painting, you know, regardless of whether it was selling or not. And just do a really big painting. Like I find the smaller eight by ten pieces to be the best uh, the best option for me because they're small and you can literally put them in like a a file box and store them away never to be seen again by anybody they're always back there no it's just they're easier to organize it's also a smaller space and uh i i don't i have a very uh difficult time like picking up actually i think the problem is that i pick up too much at once but my my vision is kind of narrow a little bit so um I, I tend to do better on smaller things because I can process all the information visually rather than having this big thing, you know, and then standing back and it still doesn't work half the time. So I just choose to paint small. I think there's a, but I think there's a lot of benefits though to creating smaller work because you don't have the pressure to have to fill the space with something. Oh yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I think that is like such a challenge for a lot of artists who do paint big and not just that, like you might not have that much space around you. Like, you know, you might be painting in a small space and you just don't have the actual physical space to have big work. And and you don't need big work as well. That's the thing. I think there's a, a huge kind of like misconception that, you know, to be a quote unquote good artist, you need to be able to paint, you know, big images. And that's not the case at all. And, and also like on social media, nobody knows what size anything is anyway. So, yeah, you know. Unless, but like, you know, another thing too is, is there's, um, you know, with Renaissance space, there's there's the idea of the completed image, you know, um, taking up the entire canvas. But with modern space, it's very much, it could be a square in the middle of a, you know, 72 by 72 canvas and it's complete. But I also see that there is this thing where again people have the the need to fill up the entire uh the canvas and um i personally do not think that you need to do that in order to have a completed image because from a design perspective uh richard cornwall was very good at this cromwell or cornwall horrible with names but um, but I can see his his paintings in my head. Very good at like taking uh, a design, a shape, and filling it with faces and, and people, and creating scenes out of it. And I think that it's important again to ask yourself like, do I really need to fill up the entire canvas, or can I just um, leave a bunch of uh, positive i'm sorry negative or white space you know empty space and it, it that itself creates a composition you know 
it may not fill up the entire page, but it's it's a composition. And also, too, there's, you know, what if what if we step back a little bit and said, well, maybe half the figure should be just sketchy, and the other half of the figure should be fully rendered. You know, yeah, absolutely. Say, I I absolutely adore mm-hmm. work like that. That's kind of almost like half finished, but it's actually quote unquote considered finished. Like I really love that mm-hmm. because I think it shows the skill of the artist, how they got from like the sketch to the actual final kind of quote unquote final image. I think it's stuff like that is always, always fascinating to see. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of it is thought process and, and, you know, um, style as well. You know, is this, is the style sketchy? You know, is it, is it fully rendered? Is it realistic? Can it be a realistic painting and still, halfway through you start to decompose the image you know there's so many things you can do if you just step back and say what am i trying to say what have, what have i learned maybe that has brought me to this point to make me make these decisions yes and see that's a good point because you know as we said earlier it's about learning it's about constantly developing your practice and and actually how important is it for you personally to involve as an artist Oh man, I'm a, I'm always trying to challenge myself. I I think it's very important. I can't give you a reason why, but I just think it's important. You know, it's it, it's almost like um, like do you really want to be drawing the same same type of image? For the next you know for, for your whole life you know i mean there's obviously artists that have done well with that um you know but like you know i think sometimes people are just too held up in their their um their their perception of things to maybe step back and say well you know Again, it goes back to that what if thing. And, you know, lately my figure doesn't work. I haven't posted a lot of it lately, but it's starting to no longer be just, you know, up and down, left and right compositionally. It's maybe let's foreshorten some things. Let's have the feet more in the foreground and the rest of the figure go in the back. Let's have the figure recline. Let's cut off parts of that sounds a little bit grotesque, but let's <laughs> let's cut off parts of the body to you know play with it compositionally, you know. And uh, my my newer work would definitely be exploring more of the you know things in perspective, like hands, like more towards the viewers. Because I hate hands, so maybe I can challenge myself, and hopefully somebody will be like that. That that's a hand. You did a great job, like you know, or you know the the one I posted recently. Um, is, is a model that I, I work with. She's not even a professional model. Um, uh, but I said, hey, do you like sun hats? Because I, I like the idea of sun hats because they, they, they allow for like interesting shapes. And, uh, you know, I had her like lay back in, 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 a, in a recliner, a, a beach chair or whatever. And the, the perspective 
you know, it gave a little bit of perspective instead of like straight up and down. And uh, again, with also with images too, there's things you can take away and that you can add as you're going through making decisions. And, you know, I decided to add a plant in it and uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, so actually that's a, a great segue into your figurative work. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about it. Okay. So you spoke earlier that you used to do life drawing and obviously a lot of your figurative work are nudes. And I'm actually very curious about like, Firstly, is there a reason for that? And secondly, like, how do you promote that work? Because obviously social media guidelines are very, very strict. And, you know, I think kind of doing anything that involves nudity nowadays, obviously with artistic intent, can be quite hard. Like, how do you kind of navigate that whole kind of situation? I mean, I've never had any issues with that. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of people do, but I've never, <laughs> uh, even when I had all the figurative stuff on my main page, um, I chose to make that separation because, um, you know, there, there was a point where uh, I was like, you know, I, ha I have a lot of Disney people and a lot of animation people following me on that, on the main page that I have. And I thought to myself, do they, do they really want to be looking at nudes all the time, you know? And so I, I made this decision to make that separation. But, even then, I never had that issue, and I don't know why. Uh, then maybe, maybe because you know, some people offer themselves as a figurative account, and that itself sets off a, a red light for Instagram. But um, but even now, I have the other figurative page, and um, it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've just never had that issue. Maybe because it's just, I'm not, I'm not like waving, hemming and hollering like, hey, look at me over here. Like I, I draw nudes, you know? you know, it might be one of those things. I, I just, you know, but as far as like subject matter and nudity, so basically uh, the way I really started to get into figure drawing was I had a friend approach me um, saying that she wanted to be drawn and because she was feeling really down about her body. And um, so that is kind of how it started. Even though I was doing like life drawing in, in school, I never really had felt an obligation to pursue it in any way, shape or form outside of that academic uh, prospect. But um, this person asked me and then the next thing I know, another friend asked me because they really liked that drawing. And I find that, you know, um, the thing that I really like to explore is uh, the perception of, of beauty. And um, it really helps with these these people and the way they perceive themselves. They're like, oh, is this how you see me? You know, again, going to that whole perception thing. And I, I tend to not like to draw a lot of the... Um, professional models i guess you could say uh they are professionals but yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah the yeah the quote-unquote conventional models i guess yeah and because everyone draws them yeah and you know as you probably picked up on this at this point in the conversation i tend to like to stray away from all all yeah. the you know the normalcy yes. and uh so i i like to draw 
quote-unquote normal people it sounds weird to put it that way but people who you wouldn't think of as art models you know like it's almost like a john singer sergeant approach like just drawing his friends and whatnot but i tend to work with only a group of people and um before it was exploring the idea of body positivity um but now it's just more maybe exploring these people and what they have to offer to art um, and the creative process. And uh, every once in a while, I'll find someone who I, I really get along with. So I also think that there's also a, an idea of connection um, that it can offer. Um, and you get to know these people. So you're no longer just drawing a figure. You're drawing a figure with the idea of who this person is you know that's really cool because i i do agree with you like you know the whole quote-unquote instagram girls that you see where people just post and you know draw the same kind of image you know over and over again there's actually an illustrator called ergo josh i believe who posted a, a video on youtube ages ago about the idea of stop drawing these instagram girls and it's kind of like you know the very, very, very cliched kind of typical standard images that you think of when you think of, oh, what can I draw that's going to be really popular, you know? Yeah. And I, what I like about your work specifically is that you're not trying to be popular. You're actually trying to say something with the images you create. Like that's much more meaningful okay. than, because, mm -hmm. you know, you could very much easily find, okay, cool, what's, you know, who's quote unquote the hottest model today? Let's just paint pictures and draw pictures of them because people will see mm -hmm. it. Um, but it's not the case of you doing that because you're like, well, actually, what I'm actually interested in, what is actually important about the work I'm creating, you know, what, you know, positive change can I create in my work? Because there will be positive change for you and the person you're, you're drawing. Because as you said, you have conversations, you get to know people. Art is a, mm -hmm. an extremely good way of connecting with people, as I very much found out. Um, and I think, you know, we should never take that for granted, but we do. Yeah, I mean, you know, and social media too. I think we all we all take it for granted. I remember uh, what, what what was it like back in October? I think Facebook was down for like six hours, and we were like, my God, what are we gonna do? And then Twitter went down, and oh my God, like the whole the world's ending. And it's like honestly, at at that point, I was just like, I could I could live like this, you know? <laughs> it's you know because yeah. I think I think social media too creates like a lot of. Uh, false connections you know you know them but you really know them like how how much how much time do you spend getting to know this person or do you just message them in some memes you know to get a good so, laugh see yeah. that's that's so true and that's so relevant for me because i always say to people like oh yeah this friend i'm like yeah they're a friend but they're not really a friend because i don't really know them i just i just speak to them they're an acquaintance but i always say friend but i'm like are they a friend probably not i just say friends because it sounds better um yeah. it makes me sound like it actually makes me sound like i have friends you know um but you know that's the, like that's the thing like when i'm talking to co-workers for instance i'm like oh yeah this friend that's an artist and they're like oh i'm like yeah actually i don't really know them that well i just message you on occasion so i think that's a really good point the idea of like the way social media has kind of changed our perspectives on how well we know each other and our kind of the line between acquaintance and friend is very 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 blurred and i think uh it's actually quite dangerous in some ways yeah i think it's called a uh, parasocial 
Absolutely, yes. The whole, yeah, yeah, that whole good old power of social relationships. I think it's that's super fascinating, though, because I think as an artist, I think you could really use that to your advantage, um, yeah. in the right in the right kind of way. Obviously, with the right intentions, it can be a very mm-hmm. wonderful thing. Because at the end of the day, you're almost like without well, sounding too dramatic, I guess, but you're like, you know, a god creating your own world, essentially. Um, so it's, it yeah. <laughs> might be a bit too dramatic, but it's kind of true though. Like you are essentially creating your own world and other people are kind of, you know, wanting to be invited into that. And it's like, you get to decide who stays and who doesn't, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, you could do that with real life too, but like, you know, it's, it's but I, I understand what you're saying. And that, that's why I choose to work with the very specific people that I choose to work with because, you know, um, they're, they're not really friends either. Some of the people I have known in real life, um, and you know, uh, but um, it there seems to be a, a bond that is created with the art itself. And um, but then again, like there, there's figurative artists that I talk to like every day, like Daniel Maidman, for example. Like I, I own some of his work. I bought some of of his work and we have a connection that way and um we've never met in real life but we seem to have pretty educated and uh friendly conversations um but as far as like friends in in my, in my personal life like i've got <laughs> a best friend and then i've got another friend that lives like 50 miles away from me you know and I talk to them on a daily basis, but people on social media, maybe I talk to not, not even, they're just there if I want to talk to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think social media also too offers an expansive network as well. And it offers, uh, well, I, I think, I think it's starting to die down a little bit, um, but it used to offer big breaks but there's been a lack of engagement on a lot of things i've noticed it myself and i wondered is that something that i did when i switched over the the figurative art to another page because i noticed once i did that everything kind of started you know going downhill a little bit but i think it's um people are starting to wake up to the reality that maybe we don't know these people and maybe we don't want to deal with things like ghosting and, 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 you know, having uh, almost compulsive conversations, you know, as far as, you know, waiting for responses, and whatnot, it, it, it can happen in real life, but I say real life, but you know, there's, there's a complete difference. And um, I think people are starting to, to wake up to, from it and, and step back from it uh you know because it's been what like 10 years since all this stuff has been around like really been around i know like aol messenger was a thing yeah. uh, but uh you know um yeah and i'm i'm wondering if that 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 noticing what's exactly going on in the bigger picture is what's causing people to engage less with artists on their page i kind of think it might be to do with the fact that i think a lot of artists are kind of realizing that they you know actually just want to create work 
they don't want to be online all the time having to promote what they're doing obviously which is a yeah. you know a key factor but it's like you want to take the time to actually sit down and create something because you wanted to create it not because you have an audience to create it for and I'm, I'm always kind of really fascinated by like at what point does the artist kind of merge with their audience in terms of like what you want to create versus what you know is going to be popular because it may not even sell but the idea of being popular and quote-unquote going viral and kind of having quote-unquote success I think that can drive a lot of artists to create work they didn't actually care about they just want to be popular or be seen as you know, valid in somebody else's eyes. It, it, it's interesting how all that is weaved into the the, the uh, understanding of it because nobody nobody actually said that it's all promised to you. It's just, it, you tend to pick up on it for, for some odd reason and it's the, the validation and the attention that you get from it. And that, that releases uh, dopamine and that causes you to uh, say, oh man, I kind of like this. And then you do it more and more and then some of like an addict and that's exactly what the science is based on yeah. the science of how formed all that stuff is, is gambling but um and you know it, it tends to draw you in and once you become aware of it though that's when you have the ability to step back and say oh maybe it, maybe i don't want to post every little single line i draw in my sketchbook maybe i want to keep my sketchbook for myself i know i was really bad with that when i was younger but then i you know I decided to say, oh, well, let me uh, let me just create work for me. You know, it's very easy to fall into the trap of let me create this work for other people. But that's when you have to start asking yourself questions. So would you say that you create work for yourself or for other people first? I would say I usually create it for myself first, you know, but uh And I think, you know, years ago, maybe I was, I was doing it for other people, but now, you know, especially with like the new, the new Disney Plus shows and whatnot, you always have that, and the and the comic movies, you always have the abundance of fan art, and you know, you tend to get on the hype train a little bit, and then you ask yourself, well. Am I creating this for me or creating this for someone else? And I always tend to like, I get caught in the trap of falling somewhere in the middle, as weird as that sounds, you know, because you're like, you're into the like comic books, but in Disney, but are you, are you, are you doing this for you or are you doing this to post it on Instagram or Twitter? You know, it's, it's very, very easy to fall, fall into that trap. Yeah, which kind of goes back to our question earlier on the list, which is the idea of like, is, you know, creating images of pop culture an easy route to success? Uh, no, it's not. I saw that question. I already knew my, my, uh, my answer was going to be, it's going to be no. But then again, I know people, you know, fan art, uh, contests have that bad rap of um, uh, bad rap of uh, you know taking advantage of artists, but I actually know an artist who got their big break from a, a, an art contest, and they they work with Hot Topic now and a bunch of other companies creating their work. You know, for them, when I say for them, I mean it's the artist's work. They just 
take pop culture images and translate it into their work. He does, his name is Brian Reedy. He does uh, woodblock printing. And oh man, I've, I've got a whole book of his work. It's, it's incredible. But um, yeah, and I was just like, man. And that's why I always wonder, like, you know, are fan art contests really that bad? If someone I know got for the break, how bad can it be? Um, but pop culture, like, the problem is everyone draws it. So you really got to set yourself apart. So it's not necessarily about the subject that you're drawing. It's how you draw it. And that's how you would attract your audience. That concludes the first part of my conversation with artist Danny Kidwell. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflowingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via Instagram and Twitter. The Flowing Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing to help spread the word and garner us more attention. Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk, which is an archive of daily art inspiration and written interviews. Furthermore, if you're an artist or a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page. Tiers start from £1, and you can find more information and rewards over at patreon.com forward slash theflyingfruitbowl. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. Until next week, folks, please stay safe.